Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. I think the only team uh, in the top, let's say, seven, the only team, if I were that team, that I'd take Anthony Richardson, the only one, is the Seattle Seahawks. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. I never do that to you guys, and I never will. It is a Wisdom Wednesday, and we've got quite the treat today because we've got one of my mentors, Peter King. I think he comes on the show maybe once a year, and I probably say this story every time, but... You know, we all hopefully have a handful of people in our life that uh, have really helped us along the way. I can honestly say I would not have the media career I have or the gigs I have were it not for Peter King. Plus, he's the best pro football writer like ever. So it's good to get his insight on a bunch of things going on around the NFL. We'll be joined by Peter from NBC Sports momentarily. Patron of the day is Malcolm. I love when we get new patrons. Patreon.com slash RT Media. Still time to spread the word via social media. You know, you can also get a sponsor confirmation email winner just by rating and reviewing the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And I love the YouTube shout out. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. It's big show time. The big show. He is the man, has been a long time. He writes Football Morning in America, which still after all these years, I make sure on Monday mornings that I'm going to have like a 45, 50-minute cardio session so that I can read every word that Peter writes before I do this show or any other media that day or for the week. You know, Peter... Thanks for coming on. Check him out on social media at Peter underscore King. There aren't that many things in life anymore for me that are like appointment viewing or appointment listening or appointment reading. In fact, very rare. Like you, you're like one of the only things left in my life that it's like Monday morning while I'm on the stepper, the bike and the treadmill, I am reading Peter's column. You're a nice man, Ross, and uh, I have really have a lot of fond memories of the birth 
of Ross Tucker's media career because, you know, I think you did something that few former players do. A lot of former players want to get a job on television and want to sit on a set and want to talk about football, which is fine. Uh, There are a lot of people who can employ those people. But you decided that you wanted to do the full media experience. You wanted to write. You wanted to broadcast. You wanted to get good on television. You wanted to get good on radio. You wanted to get great at this uh, new uh, media tool, the podcast, you know, which obviously you're very, very good at. And I just always thought that former players who don't take advantage of where they were. And I remember saying to you, Ross, do you know how many people would love to be behind the curtain? You were behind the curtain. You were behind the curtain with Marty Schottenheimer and Drew Bledsoe and Bill Belichick. And for a while, even with Joe Gibbs, you were behind the curtain. And there are enough stories that you can tell. Some you can't. But there are enough stories you can tell. What it's like to snap the ball to Tom Brady. You know, all those things. And it just sort of puts a little bit of romance in football and in following football. If somebody out there who reads you once or twice or follows you uh, on social media or, you know, now listens to you, realizes that, God, this guy shared a locker room with Bledsoe and Brady and LeVar Arrington and Sean Taylor and I think. You were on Sean Taylor's team yeah. once. Yeah, I, you I know mean, what? I actually, um, I only ever had one conversation with him. It was in the cold tub, maybe like September, maybe August. 2007? In 2007. <clears throat> and he, uh, I found him to be very thoughtful. All he wanted to talk about was his daughter. And you could tell it had really sort of changed his life and had a big impact on his life, which is why it was so sad what happened, um, obviously. But it it felt like, you know, he really had matured and got it. You know, like he had gotten to the other side. There's a lot of guys that when they're in their early 20s and they're making a lot of money and stuff that, you know, they're they're living, living the high life. He had really gotten to that point where he realized, what was important in life, and then his life was taken. It's just incredibly – I mean, I only really ever had one conversation with the guy, right. but um, it's sad. But, you know, it's funny, Peter. You referenced two things. So I, I love public speaking, and I try to do it a lot because um, I always say it's the closest thing to being a player. I like talking on podcast or radio or TV, but – I'm talking to a camera. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you do a public speaking event, like yeah. I did one last month. I mean, there's 500 people right there just staring at you. Right. So that's a different. So anyway, you referenced two things that I talk about a decent amount. Um, one of which is 18 years playing football. I never played with a quarterback 
that cared nearly as much about the quarterback snap as Brady. Not near, I mean, not not even close. It's like the most boring Monday you start every practice for 18 years. For sort of every practice, Brady was the only one that like really it was important to him and took it seriously and be like, Ross, come on, great snap. Like, and I always bring that up with people, like, you know, people always talk about like working harder, and I get that. How about just trying to do everything you do a little bit better, right? Like yeah. just being yeah. and that's Brady. And then Perfect. The other thing that I thought you were going to reference about, you know, me doing something that few former players do, I tell a story all the time, especially if I'm talking to younger people like high school or college. What I tell them is like, when in doubt, do it. Or when in doubt, say yes. I literally walked out of Red. I looked over. I saw you in the Redskin Park media room. I walked out of the building. I took like five steps towards my car and I thought, no, you know what? Like, I'm going to tell them my idea. I walk back in Redskin Park. I walk into the media room, which players never do. All, all the beat writers are like, what, what is going on? And I just shook your hand. I said, hi, Peter. My name's Ross Tucker, and I like to write. And I, you know, I feel like, you know, when my career's over or maybe sooner than that, like, I'd like to write about what it's really like. And you loved it. And we ended up talking a couple times and, we met and you let me write Monday morning quarterback um, Labor Day, Monday, 2007. And I think I got like three or four job offers within the next two weeks after I wrote that. Like I had a media career like that simply because you let me write your Monday morning quarterback, which is primarily because I decided, you know what? I'm going to go back in that building and introduce myself to this guy. I I never would have known Ross Tucker. Never. And one of the things I said to you is you've been behind the curtain. There's a lot you can share. You should share that stuff. It'd be really, really interesting. And Ross, uh, when you asked me to come on, the one thing I want to ask, not to uh, bury the past, but to segue to where we are right now is obviously – you do all this stuff with the Philadelphia Eagles and you're around the team a lot. And I think you are probably like me in many ways. <clears throat> you have great admiration for not only how Howie Roseman puts this team together, but how Nick Sirianni uh, and, and a great group of assistant coaches like Jeff Stoutland, how they actually coach this team, the stuff that they do. So there's obviously been a lot of uh, discussion about assisting the runner. I have come out staunchly against being able to assist the runner uh, by people pushing the ball carrier, mostly the quarterback, from behind. And you're around this team so much, but you also have this very uh, very unique resume and past because I wondered, You played for Marty Schottenheimer, one of the great technical teachers, uh, you know, tremendously long practices, you know, drove a lot of his assistant coaches crazy with their, you know, with their schedule. And you played for Bill Belichick for a time and and for a shorter time with with Joe Gibbs. And, you know, you played with some great quarterbacks and some great offensive linemen. And my question is, did you ever drill? Did you ever have any any time spent in practice 
uh, with assisting the runner. In other words, did a coach ever say, okay, look, on fourth and short, Ross, I want you to get on the left cheek and Chris Samuels, I want you to get on the right cheek or whatever and push the quarterback forward. Because in my opinion, this is just like a recent deal. You know, no, like- we never we never talked about it. And what I think is most interesting about it, two two thoughts. Can I and I've read all your stuff on it. I always look at like what's the next so they're they're not gonna outlaw it, at least not this year. Well so they're not gonna like, outlaw it this year, but it's not gonna live forever. Well, to me, it's like what's the next iteration of it? I mean, if you're gonna do that, why do you have a running back and a tight end? I mean, why why not bring in two linemen? Have them yeah. say that. Have them say they're eligible, eligible receivers, and have them behind the quarterback and push them. Or don't be surprised. What, There's coaches. Watch what happens in Denver this year. Watch what happens in Seattle. Yeah, That's all I can say. Or, there are or, coaches or, or this like, year um, who are going to take it to another level. Right. Or like, okay. I mean, there's times where you could, I mean, you're probably still better off having the blocker in front of the receiver, obviously, but there's other iterations of this. If it's a quick wide receiver pass, you could have someone come from behind and push them. It's, it really is, um, it's interesting. I will say this about the Eagles in particular. Their left guard and left tackle, Landon Dickerson and Mylotta, are so big. And so powerful, and Hertz is so strong that that I think they would have success—a really high level of quarterback sneak success. Maybe not to the same extent, even if they outlawed it, because like Landon Dickerson, I mean that dude is—they wouldn't he's be at thirty-seven of forty-one. What's that? They wouldn't be thirty-seven of forty-one on sneaks on fourth down. I'll tell you that much. No, they wouldn't, but they would still be pretty successful. And okay, look, couple- hey, Ross, Ross, one other yeah. thing I would say. I applaud the Eagles for doing this. They are playing within the rules. I don't applaud the competition committee, and I don't applaud Roger Goodell, because just because no one's gotten hurt with this, what happens when the first time this you know, you're in the middle of this mall of 3,500 pounds of human and you get a separated shoulder. You is something, Ross, something's going to happen. I don't know what. And, and again, I don't mean to be a child about this, but something's going to happen and everybody's going to say, why the league allow that to happen? Um, You know, you and I were texting after the Carolina Panthers traded with the bears to get the number one overall pick because I had tweeted at Ross Tucker NFL that I, I found it really hard to believe they would give up that many first round picks, that many total picks DJ Moore, without knowing who they were going to draft number one overall. What's interesting is right after they drafted it, right after they made the trade, Joseph Person, Joe Person, who covers the Panthers, said, pretty sure it's for C.J. Stroud. Well, now uh, the betting markets are indicating very much the belief that the Panthers are going to draft Bryce Young, which I guess gives credence, Peter, to your belief that the Panthers made the trade not really knowing who that guy was going to be. The weekend that it happened, Ross, 
And, you know, there are some things you can write, some things you can't. And look, it could very well be, history may write this story as saying that Scott Fitterer, the general manager, and David Tepper, the owner, had decided were solid at that point in Bryce Young's corner. That could be, very well could be. You don't hire a quarterback coach, or I'm sorry, you don't hire a coach who specializes in quarterbacks and have him be on the job for seven weeks or six weeks, I think it was. You don't hire a quarterback coach, have him be in the building for like 10 days before that trade went down. Same with Jim Caldwell, the assistant to the head coach, who's going to be a QB whisperer to Frank Reich. Um, And you don't add a a new offensive coordinator who you've never worked with before, Thomas Brown, and you walk in and you say, hey, by the way, we have 48 days before the draft. And I just want you all to know, we're picking Bryce Young or we're picking C.J. Stroud. I just, I don't think it's realistic. As as it was told to me that weekend, and I'm going to use this word because it is exactly the word that was used to me. There are people in that building who had, quote, leanings, all right? And I believe those leanings now were to Bryce Young. And uh, and, and you're right, Ross. Everybody at first thought it was C.J. Stroud because, as I later wrote, uh, Frank Reich has coached in the NFL for 17 years, either as a position coach, coordinator, or head coach. Six of those games were started by quarterbacks who were under 6'4". And so, and Frank Reich is a big guy. He's 6'3 or 6'4". He was a a quarterback in the NFL at a time when quarterback was a position of land of the Giants. Drew Bledsoe, 6'5". Boomer, 6'5". Marino, Kelly, you know, all these, they're, they're tall, big guys. So the thought of coaching the guy who would be, let's say that uh, that Bryce Young starts for two years, he would be the shortest, smallest quarterback in NFL history, and he'd be picking him first in the draft. That's one of the reasons why, to me, a lot of people have to get comfortable with that. And that's why I don't think they categorically knew the day, even though, as I said, they had leanings. I don't think they knew the day that they made the trade that absolutely it was this. Hey, Ross, remember how when the 49ers traded up from 12 to 3 and gave the ransom and they ended up picking Trey Lance? Yeah, everybody thought it was for Mac Jones. Everybody thought it was for Mac Jones, including one of Kyle Shanahan's best friends on the planet, Chris Sims, who swore it was for Mac Jones. And I don't think he swore because, oh, I just have this thought. I think he swore because he talked to Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, and it didn't happen. I remember the day after that draft, Kyle Shanahan, I talked to him, or on Sunday of that weekend, draft weekend, he took one hour with me. And he started talking about all the tape he watched on Trey Lance because, hey, we're never going to be in this position again. So I got to watch all of these quarterbacks very, very closely. And he was convinced that Lance was gave him a better chance. I think the one thing, 
And Ross, in this quarterback class, the thing that really I, I'm having some trouble with, quite honestly, I think the only team uh, in the top, let's say, seven, the only team, if I were that team, that I'd take Anthony Richardson, the only one, is the Seattle Seahawks. You want to know why? Because we've seen it now with Zach Wilson on draft day. Oh, tremendous potential. This guy runs, he throws, he's great, he's all that. We are going to give him the opportunity to be all he can be. We'll be patient. We'll surround him with this, blah, blah, blah. We're 22 games into his career, and nobody who roots for the Jets ever wants to see Zach Wilson play football again, period. So what does that tell you? It tells you that a guy who plays even at a high level of football, but only maybe for one year, who hasn't been coached by the gurus, you know, and doesn't have a great coaching past, okay, with a bunch of great coaches at the position. And I think it would be fatal for poor Anthony Richardson to go in and for people to expect, well, we're going to get him ready in three months and then he's going to be the quarterback. He needs to go to Seattle where Geno Smith can coach him for two years. And Geno Smith wants to be a coach when he retires. What, this, but what about what about Raiders and Jimmy G? I just don't think Jimmy G is in the position in his life that he wants to help a young quarterback. Not that he wouldn't, okay? And plus, Jimmy G is in a different position. He's still trying to, you know, build his career and be an absolute no-doubt top level starter, you know, and, and, and again, and I'm not saying they won't do it. I'm not saying they won't do it. And if they did it, I would understand it. But look, Jimmy G gets hurt every 10 minutes. Do you want to hand the reins to Anthony Richardson in week seven and say, you're our guy. I just don't want to do that. But, but at the only point, only I, I, I'm bringing it back to Bryce Young here. And I'm making the point that You know what Bill O'Brien told uh, one of the teams that is looking at quarterbacks? That that Bryce Young goes to the line of scrimmage, having called two plays in the huddle. And he's not like a lot of these college quarterbacks, Ross, and you watch the game, okay, a lot more than I do because I barely watch college football. But, you know, what drives me nuts when I watch college football is when you see the quarterback get to the line of scrimmage and he goes like this. He's looking over at the sidelines. Somebody's going to hold up a card. Somebody's going to give him a signal. Somebody's going somebody's to tell him what to run. And then he's obviously going to have to execute it. But Bryce Young is the guy who's going to the line of scrimmage every play and deciding what to run based on what he sees with the mic how uh, wide his line is spread so he knows, you know, he knows who's likely uh, to either be singled or to be able to get to his opening earliest. And all my point is, that is an NFL trait. Can you imagine if you've done that on 1,800 snaps in the SEC? I mean, that's a huge advantage, at least to me that your quarterback knows enough about both what you do and what they do to call the play and to have the enormous success that Bryce Young had. 
especially Peter at the NFL level where it's so much about beating your opponent with your brain. The yeah, last question yeah. I have for you, cause I got to ask you about this. Yeah. The Baltimore Ravens, you, you were singing the praises of the Eagles. You and I have done training camp tours together. I tell people all the time, the Ravens and Eagles are two of the most impressive organizations I've been around. No question. The Ravens, Peter, just guaranteed a receiver probably, in my estimation, twice as much money as any other reasonable team was willing to do. Have you seen this before? I mean, this is the Ravens. This is basically blatantly overpaying a guy because of what they think it means for their quarterback. It, it really is fascinating, and it'll probably work. I mean, it seems like Lamar is going to play, and it's probably – it's just I, – I can't remember seeing this before where it's like, okay, what's our best way to get this guy? Okay, just massively overpay this other guy. It's a $15 million olive branch to Lamar Jackson. That's what it is. The most expensive olive branch in history. Um, but, Ross, it's very simple. The Ravens have basically, uh, I believe, they talked to a lot of teams after a trade was requested. Um, even though, technically, Lamar Jackson, you know, at the time, you know, in the month of March, his the Ravens' hold on him obviously is tenuous because they're about, they're not going to re-sign him for a huge amount of money. His contract has expired on whatever, March 15th. But my point of all that is, I believe Eric DaCosta talked to a lot of general managers and did not get any, must not have gotten any solid traction with any of them. And here's the other part of it, Ross. The other part that I think is very interesting is that we would all agree that a 26-year-old quarterback with one MVP even though his last two years have been just okay, certainly haven't been as great as his MVP year. But his last two years have basically shown, to me, the idiocy of giving a guy like Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed contract. Why would you do that with a guy who, in the last two years, in December and January, the Ravens have played 12 football games, Lamar Jackson has started and finished one. I mean, you don't guarantee that person $250 million. You simply don't. And I made the argument in my column recently that if I were the Ravens, I would just say, hey, look, Lamar, take two two years fully guaranteed. You'll be a free agent again at age 28. If you believe in yourself and think you're going to be great, you're going to be able to get $65 million a year in 2025, okay? But, and, and they apparently, based on Lamar Jackson's uh, Twitter account, got offered somewhere near $130 million totally guaranteed, I guess, for three years. But to me, I don't understand how he can expect, and this is the problem with not having an agent. Even a pro player agent like Drew Rosenhaus, would sit across the table from Lamar Jackson and say, look, you know, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to give you any incendiary language here, but I am going to tell you, you're not thinking clearly if you think that you're getting a five-year fully guaranteed contract. You're just not going to get that based on where you are in your career at this time.
He is the man. Please follow him on social media at Peter underscore King. Sorry we went a little bit longer, Peter. Your stuff's just so good. I really appreciate it. Have a great walk with your dog. Hey, thanks a lot, Ross. Good luck. That guy is awesome. I mean, he really is. So much good stuff there. You know what else is awesome? Labatt Blue. Lots of things go better together. How about hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs, with Labatt Blue Lights with your friends? Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, New York. Duck Stakes. All right, Ross, we'll start with the Lions trading cornerback Jeff Okuda to the Falcons for a fifth-round pick. This was pretty obvious after the Lions added some corners in free agency. He was supposed to be a no-brainer. Third overall pick, and they end up trading him for a fifth-round pick. Yikes. Duck Stakes. The Chiefs signed wide receiver Richie James, while the Bucks linebacker Devin Williams requested a trade. Richie James had a good year for the Giants. I think he's going to end up having really good numbers with Mahomes. And then Devin White, I thought Devin White really played poorly last year. Um, I don't know why, but there was a big drop-off. So he obviously wants the money he's seen some of these other guys get. I don't I don't really think he deserves it. Duck Stakes. Former Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury lands back in USC, this time as their quarterback's coach. Very interesting because I kind of thought he'd chill for at least a year, taking all the money from Bill Bidwell, uh, Michael Bidwell, and the Arizona Cardinals. But I think LA is nice. I think being a coach at USC is nice. Probably not that tough of a schedule. I think he wants to live in Los Angeles. Makes sense. Duck Stakes. The NFL is holding a talent ID camp and a flag football showcase in Nairobi, Kenya. So cool. I heard about this. Um, They should. They absolutely should. I I love the idea of introducing the NFL to folks in Africa and trying to get some of the talent. We've we've seen the talent that comes over for college basketball and the NBA from Africa. Why not see what what uh, if you can start to get people interested in football? And flag football is amazing. A great way to do it. Duck stakes. Former Commanders and Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins' family is suing for wrongful death. I'll let you guys read the details of it, uh, you know, of the allegations, I guess. Whether it's true or not, the entire situation is just incredibly, incredibly sad. Duck Stakes. And YouTube TV announces their prices for Sunday Ticket. You know, I've never gotten Sunday Ticket. I've never had to, right? Like... I usually watch the red zone or the national game, or, you know, if I'm watching stuff for the Eagles, then the Eagles are on. Cause I'm local. I've never been one of those people that had to get the Sunday ticket. Um, it seems pretty expensive, but I think they are looking to recoup the investment they're making in the NFL. And they realize that if you're a Steelers fan living in California or a Raiders fan in Jersey, 
you want to watch your team and you're going to pay the money it takes to be able to watch your team. I'm, I like to give shout outs. I like to give shout outs to myfrontpagestory.com because it's by far the best Mother's Day gift ever. And we're a month away from Mother's Day. Please trust me, myfrontpagestory.com. If it's not, if it's not the best gift you've ever given your mom or your wife, you can email me and I'll send you a signed press pass. Right there. I'm laying down the law right there. Backofficescheduler.com, Evergreen Economics, go-bangles.com, steakhousesports.com, humanheadnyc.com, Sporticulture, and Pizza Boy Brewing. Even Money Podcast going over the draft prop bets yesterday was epic. Make sure you check that out. Fantasy Feast Podcast Day, we're diving in to the wide receivers from a fantasy standpoint that are available in this year's draft. A lot of debate about these receivers. Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, etc. You're going to want to listen or watch the Fantasy Feast podcast today as well. Greg Cosell talking D-line tomorrow. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.